0: This is Anthony Pascal.
1: And this is Laurie Elster. And this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. This week, we are going to look back at 2023 to see what we think the best of Star Trek was. We're going to look ahead at 2024, which we're already in, to see what's coming this year. And to do that, we brought in some friends. So from Trek Movie, we have Joanne Doska.
2: Hey there. Happy to be here.
1: We have Danish House.
3: It's a dream come true. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: (laughs) And we went outside. We got our friend Anne-Marie from Virtual TrekCon and the 7th Rule. Yay! Welcome, Anne-Marie. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. So I think we should dig right in, right? And just start, we've got, we're going to do some best episodes, best merch, all kind of things. Tony, what would you like the first topic to be?
0: Well, I think, you know, we should start with the big stuff. So let's start with the two live action shows in order that they appeared in 2023. So let's start with best Star Trek Picard episode. Everyone has brought their nominee. I'll start. So I'm going to go with No Win Scenario, episode four. It's uh, the second one uh, directed by Frakes, co-written by Terry I mean that whole first four episode kind of feels like a movie, and this feels like the end of that movie where they were stuck in the nebula, you know. And this had that great moment of Frakes throwing the asteroid. But what I really liked about this is just that you know the, the the dynamic between Picard and Riker and the tension. Picard was this show, you know, it's titled Picard, and it should be and was touted to be this kind of exploration of Picard's psychology. And his, you know, post Starfleet state of mind. And I felt like this really got into that, you know, and it had a lot of other fun stuff that it didn't have any Worf and Rafi, unfortunately. But that kind of added to the kind of DOS Boot submarine movie vibe of this one. It was kind of really claustrophobic on purpose. So that's my best of Picard.
1: That had some of the best acting in the whole show, I think
0: yeah yeah really good stuff from Spers um there's a lot of Jack in that episode there's a big Jack and John Luke dynamic as well going on in that episode.
3: I also chose that uh as my nominee um for me it was the the conversation in the in the bar uh, the ten forward bar uh between uh Picard and Jack and Shaw. Uh, and we pulled out in that episode uh, Shaw's backstory uh, with Picard and, and with Wolf 359. Uh, that really moved me tremendously. And that was uh, made that the best episode of the season for me.
0: Right. And that paid off later, you know, and it was paying off stuff from earlier. You really started to see in that episode how finely tuned the season of tense episode was. And you even realize that more later on.
3: Shaw was my favorite character in the show, so uh that was his and that was his best moment. So
1: definitely cool. All
2: right, Joe, how about you? Well, that was gonna be mine as well. <laughs> but, uh, um yeah, because we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So um yeah, I I'm in total agreement with the two of you. The whole thing with Shaw, um, the battle wolf three five nine, finding out his backstory and all the things you just said. It's it's um it was just an incredible episode especially with the cliffhanger from the previous episode from 17 seconds with the line from Riker to Picard saying "Get off the bridge. You just killed us all." Yeah. Right. <laughs> so going into that then you're like how are they going to top that? And then they ended up doing it in the next episode. So yeah. That was also my my favorite.
1: And Marie was this also yours?
4: Okay. So I have to say that the final episode, The Last Generation was my favorite, because, well, the whole season I was so worried that someone was going to die. I just felt like so much of modern TV does that now, and obviously there was the row episode, but uh, it was just like such a sigh of relief to see everybody not only not dead, but also happy <laughs> And, like, I always was worrying about my TNG, like, my beloved, my first crew, my beloved TNG crew, and, like, if they were happy in their lives, especially after, like, the Star Trek movies. And this, it just was, like, therapeutic, and it made me so happy. There also were, like, these amazing character moments. Like, I really felt like Worf when he helps Raffi, like, without anybody even noticing. I just felt like that was such a growth for Worf to be, like, the person going behind the scenes and, like, doing random acts of kindness. And it's just, in addition, like, I've, usually, like, I'll say, like, my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine Voyager will be, like, six, because seven, I'm stressed out the whole time that it's going to be ending, and I'll miss them so much. But with, like, the last 20 minutes or so, and how they left it as almost a backdoor pilot, I sort of could, like, breathe a sigh of relief that there's a glimmer of hope that we might get these characters back, if not in a total spinoff, then at least, like, maybe certain characters here or there in different other Star Trek series, I loved it
1: yeah, I came close to picking that one. I didn't, but I came
0: close to so I. yeah, that was definitely up there. It's one of those episodes where they definitely fan serviced, but in a way that was so well done in all the stuff with the Enterprise D and on the bridge, you know and the Boar Queen stuff, so yeah, a very strong season finale series finale.
1: No, and sometimes fan service works because we're the fans who are being serviced.
0: Yeah, serviced me.
1: (laughs) I can't
3: remember which was the episode with the uh, the 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 tour of the uh, of the spaceship museum, the starship museum, where we see the yeah the Enterprise A is there and Voyager and which episode was that? Do you guys remember?
0: the bounty? Yeah, the bounty. That's episode six.
3: If I had to pick a favorite moment. In Star Trek Picard season three, it would be uh, viewing the museum and hearing the, the theme songs of all of the different shows. Uh, that was my favorite moment in uh, Star Trek Picard season three. I'm a ship guy. I always will be. And that touched my little ship guy heart. Um, so I really liked
1: it. It didn't make it the best
3: episode, but it, it did make it my favorite moment in, in season three.
1: I'm not even a ship guy, and I love that moment.
0: I think the best ship moment of the season was in, I think, episode one, when the Shrike is battling the Elios, and the Titan just jumps right in there. Oh, yeah. And the way it jumped it I mean, and it just shocks you, and it's like... It's one of those things that really, like, it's just thrilling to see it. It's like a jump of adrenaline when you watch it, and it reminds you of some great moments. You know, there's so few moments like that in Star Trek where you're like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, it was emotional. Before I I give mine, I'm going to say Aaron has just joined us.
5: Good evening, everybody.
1: (laughs) Joined by another member of the team.
0: Hey there, Aaron. Hey there. Good to see y'all. Aaron Basik, another trek movie contributor we just started basically so we're doing nominations for best picard episode since you just showed up are you ready to give us yours
5: i am actually first of all my favorite thing about picard all three seasons is how there's usually this tonal shift between the story you think you're getting at the beginning of the season and the story you wind up getting and for me that episode this season was the bounty and for that reason, because that's where we kind of shift away from the Picard to the the next next-gen story, I love that
0: episode. We were just talking about all the cool ships in that episode.
5: I'm a ship nut, so I, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> You're a ship guy. I
5: do
2: like the ships. Another ship guy. Lots of ship guys.
3: I'm looking at my Ships of the Line calendar right behind my computer right
1: now. <laughs> my favorite episode was none of the ones that you guys have mentioned. Oh, And I chose based on which episode did I enjoy watching the most over and over, because that's how I determine a favorite. And for me, that was Surrender, because we had Worf rescuing Troy and Riker. We had... Data and Lore having their battle where Data wins, and that great scene with Data and Geordie at the end, which I loved. It was like the highest highs and the lowest lows. Like they're back at the conference table at the end. We have that nice moment with Troy and Beverly. We had wine jokes. Jack actually (laughs) figured out how to use his powers. Like, was like, oh, I could. I felt like so many important, fun things happened. And the only thing that. Um, ruined. It. Oh, and Worf also said something about he he was going to, he considered sending his enemies severed heads to all of them, but he was told that was passive aggressive. Um, and it was only ruined at the end by Troy's lie where she says to Jack, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. You're not alone. And then in the next episode, she just gets up and leaves him alone. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't happen in this one. So that was my favorite.
0: I think it was a good episode. I still feel like episodes 7 and 8 were a little two-bottle episode. They could have probably combined those into a stronger episode. But uh, the better stuff is in episode 8, for sure, Surrender. Yeah,
1: yeah I loved it. I mean, I was rewatching watching it. I was like, I like every moment of this.
5: It's very hard for me to look at Picard and try to single out episode per episode because if the story flows yeah. so nicely. You don't like to just take it into little chunks.
1: Yeah.
3: It was definitely easier to choose a best Strange New World Season 2 episode than a best Picard Season 3 episode because of the episodic nature of Strange New Worlds.
0: Well, that's a great transition. Why don't you tell us, Danish, your favorite episode of Season 2 of Strange New Worlds?
3: I feel like it's going to be many people's best episodes of Season 2. I'm I'm pretty sure I know what Laurie's going to pick. I'm pretty sure. Uh, (laughs) But... uh, I uh, I chose episode seven, those old scientists, which has shot up to be you know one of my favorite Star Trek episodes of all time. The crossover with Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. I laughed the entire episode through every time I've watched it. I've I, which has been many. I've laughed the entire time through. I love everything from the way that they design the Lower Decks costumes to fit into uh, into live action to the little uh, jokes here and there. Uh, the references, I I love the fact that Pike and Una defend the flip open communicators, which I love from the, <laughs> <laughs> the days of my youth. Uh, it just it it rang every little Star Trek bell in my heart, and I'm so glad that they did it. Um, my favorite episode of Star Trek up until that point was uh, Trials and Tribulations from Deep Space Nine, another crossover episode. Um, I love it when uh, the crews get together. And you get to see uh, pairings that you aren't uh, are not accustomed to, and you see sort of stylistic stylistic changes as the two groups get together. Um, I really
0: love those old scientists. How many people here have picked this episode? So okay, oh, so only uh, only (laughs) two. Oh, Lori, I'm shocking everybody. But so, yeah, Laurie, come on. Seriously, I, so not the musical?
1: I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because I love all the songs in the musical, but when I watch it, I skip all the dialogue and I just go to the next song.
0: Because it's a – yeah, because the episode, the science it's not, of it, it's
1: – not the greatest. The yeah. good part is the, the songs. I still – I was listening to them in the car on the way to the dentist today to make my – to calm myself down and sing at the top of my lungs. But – I think the better episode is those old scientists for all the reasons that you just said. It's so great.
0: Interesting. So the, you two of the six of us, I thought it was going to be almost universal. Same. Anne-Marie, how about you go? What's your favorite okay. of the season? So
4: this was a really close call. I loved charades so much. I, that Like Spockamuck in season one was my favorite because I watched Star Trek for the ship thing, not just the ships. Um, <laughs> right. but like, okay. So I think my, all the, My favorite episode that I'm based on, basing on like what I rewatched the most and like what I thought about the most, is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I just thought like Ah. that really blew open Laan for me as a character. And in season one, I was getting like a little bit tired of her because she was in it so much. It just like it opened her up, and the it also somehow like made me actually believe Paul Wesley is Kirk now because which was not happening until that point. And it just, it was so beautiful and their kiss was amazing. And the hot dog scene was so cute. And then, I mean, the the part with Khan at the end just really blew my mind. Also. I thought that was so fascinating. So I, I'd have to say that tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow.
1: Plus the Toronto factor.
4: Well, I was going to say that too, because I'm a huge Murdoch mysteries fan and I've seen them film at wherever Khan was being held before. And I was like, Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> time travel is a classic star trek thing it was their first time doing it i think they did a good job they did some interesting stuff with canon and with Khan. but i feel like it makes sense because you know the eugenics wars didn't happen in the 90s so yeah it was good it had some funny moments which you want with you know fish out of water stuff which you want because everyone Mm -hmm. every star trek show has done the thing where they go back to modern times you know, yes. and and so you want to get some good fish out of water stuff in that. And, and
4: I have to say too, like the um, Pelia moments in that episode really stood out as wonderful. And I felt like in the season I didn't get her as much as I wished I had, but in that moment with the, like archaeology department situation, oh, yeah. I was like I was so tickled by that, and I just found her so charming. I loved it.
3: Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow was my definitely my number two, and it was a close call for me uh, because. I love Kirk. I, I grew up reading uh, Kirk uh, novels, Star Trek novels with, with Kirk in them. I grew up watching the original series and I did feel like that was the episode when Paul Wesley showed me a Kirk like performance. I love that they remembered that Kirk was a, a genius at chess, for example. Some of, the, one of those things that other Star Trek productions don't always seem to remember that, that Kirk is a tactical genius. And I love that about uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And uh uh, and I, I thought it was a fantastic episode.
0: That was his second time playing Kirk, and he was Kirk. playing yet another alternate universe Kirk. He didn't play real Kirk, Kirk until later in the season. So,
3: And yet that was the first episode where he felt like Kirk to me.
5: And granted, it might not be the, the Kirk Kirk we're talking about, but if we could assume the two lives were reasonably similar. I, I like the fact they had a kind of a callback from almost a mental health perspective. To the original Kirk, because with the hot dog scene and the cookies and the snacking, and it's it's funny until you realize he was a famine survivor. The right. incident on Tarsus Four right. would have meant like, oh man, he he probably does get the munchies when he gets nervous. And I oh, I I that's a new sheen on Kirk that we hadn't seen before, and it works so well.
1: That's the backstory I've always wanted to see about Kirk. Oh, yeah. let's see some Tarsus Four. Yeah, I want them to make something about that. That I would watch.
3: That's one of the things about the autobiography of James D. Kirk, by the way. It takes the uh, the, the story of Tarsus IV and, and makes it very integral to Kirk's life. Oh. Uh, great read.
1: Joe hasn't gone yet.
2: Yeah, I'm going to shock everyone with this. Strange New World Season 2, I mean, tonally, from episode to episode, it changed. Um, and I'm going to go in a different direction, and I'm going to choose Under the Cloak of War, which is Episode eight which just totally blew me away was not expecting it (laughs) was it just, it just it really hit me emotionally. Um, and, uh, and especially that ending (laughs) with the ambiguity of, of Mabenga. Did he do it? Did he not? They
0: always say they want to do big swings. And I think sometimes their big swings are obvious, like, Oh, let's do wacky comedy. But that was a difficult swing because they're doing hard war movie war you know and it's not black and white there's a lot of gray area i think that that was actually the biggest swing even though they did a musical i i do think that that was the biggest swing they did for the season just because of the challenge of taking on a story
2: like that good choice yeah and i thought they they really hit it out of the park with that too
0: that
1: episode i liked the episode but the thing that i found really challenging in it was i didn't like the guest star
3: yeah no, he was i didn't
1: like his performance at all i thought he was i thought his makeup was actually bad and i thought his performance didn't tell me like i i didn't like it and i thought the overall story was really good and if they had put someone else in that role who had i think decided who he was and then played that guy that would have worked i felt like he wasn't even sure who he was in each scene
4: oh i can completely agree. I felt like, because it kind of like reminded me a little bit of like Jatrell in Voyager, but I just didn't know how to feel about the guest. Like, I, that's exactly how to characterize it. Like, I wasn't sure what decisions he'd made about it. That said, it's amazing. And I was just, what I was most shocked about the year in Star Trek was that people didn't talk about the ending of this one episode more, I think.
1: Yeah.
3: I host a watch party at my house. Uh, my friends come over, we watch every new episode of strange new worlds. And in other episodes, we finished the episode talking about what we liked, what we didn't like about the episode, but, uh, under the cloak of war, we finished by talking about, um, the themes of the episode. And it, it, it really we finished that episode. And we just were talking about the content more than the presentation. And that's something that, uh, we don't always get from modern Trek. And I really appreciated that uh, component of it.
1: It's a good point.
0: I liked Robert Wisdom's performance as that Klingon because I felt like the reason why he, it was unclear who he was is because he was a liar and he was trying to fit into Federation society when he was a war criminal. But he was trying to please everyone around him because he wanted t- safety within the Federation. So – and I'm a big fan of The Wire. Maybe I was predisposed to like him, but uh, I liked it. Uh, Aaron, have you gone yet?
5: I have not. And I was going to say tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow because I really feel like it is just, it has that great science fiction classic Trek twist concept. But since somebody already said that, I just want to give a great shout to Ad Astroper Espera because it just absolutely feels like a brand new episode of TOS. It, it it Except for the fact that it's got slightly better visuals, it, it just feels like TOS. And it's a well-written episode. It's got a great theme. It, those two are my favorite together. And a great guest
0: star. Yeah. That was my pick for Best of the Season because I feel like it is what this show should be, mm-hmm. which is it's embracing its own character. It's a very modern, nuanced story, very character-based, but also feels thematically and visually like the original series you know so it, you you get a, you get a lot of original series vibes from that episode um so it's kind of this perfect blend and uh so you know i i loved you know it's courtroom drama which you know we love in star trek you know it's a complicated issue una and you know cuz una did lie and all that and how they resolved it i thought made sense But it still left some questions, so it makes you think, which is good Star Trek episode should do. Great performance by Rebecca. That's my favorite for the season.
1: It had some nice details in it, too. Like, I liked Pike going to a planet where he couldn't breathe the air, because that almost never happens with our characters.
4: Yes, (laughs) I was just going to say, too, like, the fashion in that with the dresses from Bernadette Croft. I felt like that, that level of like avant-garde fashion for Star Trek was really reminiscent of like Bill Tice and TOS. So that was like another component I just loved. It was so that episode.
0: I think that's the first time we saw the dress uniforms, which were very, they weren't exact copies from TOS, but they were beautifully done and very close. Yeah. I
3: also felt that the resolution of the case, I I loved how they had laid out all the pieces and and how they brought the pieces all together at the end. And um, I, was, I totally bought it. I was, I was in. I was sold. Um, I, I felt like the resolution was logical, uh, powerful, and emotional. And I appreciated it.
0: Now we're going to move on to animated Star Trek with Lower Deck Season 4. And Joe, why don't you start us off?
2: I was hoping you wouldn't go to me first. This, this was the toughest one for me. Because it was such a great season. It was such a great season. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say caves, but I assumed that everyone else was going to say caves. Um, (laughs) Well, do what
0: you you love. Don't do it based on what you think other people. I mean, is that.
2: Well, but then then as I was going through, I'm like, I I was looking at all the other episodes. I was like, wait, no, not that. So it was, I don't know. It's. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> asks, do you want to come back do you want us to come back to you on this
2: one yeah, or? Come, come back to me come back to me who's ready i'm gonna make a decision
1: i'm ready i'll go okay so even though i laughed the hardest at the tuvix episode <laughs> i picked caves because i thought it was so much what star trek is about it was funny it was emotional it had surprises it had great bonus characters and i was just and the visuals were great. And I was just entertained start to finish and all the callbacks and throwbacks were perfectly done.
0: I agree with everything you just said, but I I, I just couldn't say no to Tuvix because <laughs>
1: It's So good.
0: This is a comedy show, first and foremost, as I always say, you know, when we do our podcast, was it funny? Like, we could talk about the Star Trek stuff and the character stuff and the emotional stuff, and it do- and it really delivers on that, especially later in the season. But this was just flat out hilarious from beginning to end. Yeah, You probably have to be at least well aware of Voyager, if not a huge fan of Voyager, because the gags are so Voyager-y, <laughs> you know, I mean <laughs> – you know, is it funny to have all the cameos, you know, if you aren't a fan, probably not.
1: Yeah, the bartender guy was lost on people who aren't Voyager fans.
0: <laughs> but it still had so it had a great it, it really set up the season well as well and had some great character stuff with Mariner and Boimler and reintroduced us to Tulyn um and in a big way. And it you know, we got the promotions for everyone, which was kind of a big thing for this season. So it juggled a lot of stuff. But mostly, it was just too funny to say no to Tuvix.
1: I'm so glad you picked that one because it was definitely a tie for me
0: between the two.
4: Making Tuvix a verb was just so quintessential (laughs) Lower there.
0: (laughs) Well, who else? Did anyone else pick Tuvix? No. Uh, Oh, okay. So let's move on. Anne-Marie, you were just talking. What's your favorite?
4: Okay. So this is a really close tie because I love a good peanut hamper love story. And it was so <laughs> hilarious that peanut hamper's dad was named Kevin. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I think I, plus I just love times arrow. So the Twining was hilarious too. like making Twining a verb was also hilarious, but I had to go with my heart. And that was Perth Ferengi's heart place yeah. because Ram and Lita are just one of my favorite TV couples of all time. And I thought they, They did so well, and Lita just stole the show knowing, like, the intricate, like, um, she just, like, really gets what Ferengi culture is about and how to use it to her advantage, but also, like, always wants everybody to benefit, and then, I mean, the Ferengi television and the recreation of like the Vegas Starfleet experience <laughs> put on Ferenginar, I mean it was just so hilarious and I freeze framed and took like a million screenshots so I could really make sure I was getting all the jokes <laughs> it's just perfection I loved it
3: it's a great episode that's my number two pick because I love Rutherford and Tendy and uh they're my favorite characters on the show and um I I actually appreciate the fact that they aren't a couple which I uh, I think is is a it, it's sort of pushing against what I think everybody wants to see happen, and I think that makes it more interesting. And, and uh, I loved their uh, having to sort of pretend to be a couple, although their feelings are definitely leaning in that direction. All that stuff was really fun.
0: Um, it was a great episode. I think they're, they are obviously destined to be together, and this episode smartly punted that decision yeah. into another season, basically. Yeah. They're like, we can't ignore this. But we don't want to do it yet. You know, there's the way at the end where they were all awkward, but then as soon as they decided they were just friends and they go into the um, the, 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 the shaft again, you know, it was like, but they're, and they're like all on top of each other. It's like, okay, come on, you know.
1: (laughs) And they're like laughing and totally comfortable again. Aaron?
5: I also picked that episode, and I'm just going to say it's it's one of those cases where I want to always see Star Trek boldly go where no one's gone before, but when it comes to Lower Decks, where it's all about the jokes and the references, let's go back to my favorite show, Deep Space Nine, and take another victory lap. I am all about those episodes (laughs) where they just go back to DS9 for one scene, for one episode. I'll just enjoy it and soak
0: it up as a guilty pleasure.
4: Oh yeah! Even with like, they had their own Mayhardu. That was just like there were so many hilarious touches in that episode.
0: <laughs> Great Captain Freeman episode too. You know the way right. she, how smart yeah. she was, and okay, so we're
2: co- we're coming back to you, Joe. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm gonna go with a few badges more. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I like the fact that they're delving into their own canon. They they cre- they created their own characters. And so th- this was an episode like all about their own characters and they didn't lean so heavily into the callbacks and the things, which are amazing, by the way, and the rest of the, uh, the season. But um, I love that. Plus, uh, it was the first time we had seen the binars um, oh, since yeah. the, the TNG, um, which I had been hoping that they would, <laughs> they would bring binars. in the Lower Death at, yeah. some, <laughs> at some point. So uh, a few Badgies more. I mean, just the way the way things escalated with Badgie and Googy and and it was just <laughs> and, and, and it just, it just it escalated like it it was unbelievable uh, how it ended. So um, because he was he became omnipotent or at, at the end, yeah. He right? created
0: his own universe. He or created something. his own
2: universe, <laughs> right. So I don't know. what I mean, it just got more and more ridiculous. And, and the more ridiculous Lower Decks gets, the the happier I am.
1: The fun thing about talking about Lower Decks is that as soon as you guys start talking about episodes, I just start laughing as if I'm watching the episode again.
3: That's why this was so hard. That was also my number one pick as well. And unlike Anne-Marie, I was not able to have the willpower to resist Peanut and Hamper and agamus together complaining about how uh, dominating others is just no fun without you. And that had me howling with laughter, rolling on the floor. I just could not resist the two of them together. What a fantastic combination. Not saying I want to see a lot of episodes with them, but seeing the one was fantastic.
0: A couple other seasons have had episodes that were pretty, were kind of meh. I can't think of a bad episode this season, really.
1: Yeah, there was no meh. It was all good. I mean, they started out so strong that... Tuvix as a starter. I remember thinking, what are they going to do after this one?
0: Yeah. Okay, so now we're going <laughs> to There yeah. is another shows the wrong word. <laughs> do, we got got it. It. do we got We <laughs> um, got. It. So Very Short Treks was a series of animated shorts. It was not on Paramount Plus. This was on star trek.com and on YouTube. It was You know, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the animated series, it was an experimental thing. There were five of them.
1: The question is, did we all pick the same one? Yes. I'm going to bet. The answer is yes. (laughs) Unless Tony decided to just go somewhere else, which he sometimes likes to do.
0: I think I did. Lori, why don't you lead the discussion of what you think everyone picked?
1: Holograms all the way down. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. I'm
1: seeing a lot of Joe didn't nod and Tony didn't nod.
0: I did not nod. There were
1: three nods and two no nods.
2: Oh, interesting. I didn't nod because I did not watch any of them. (laughs) Ah. And and this you
3: may in fact be the most fortunate among us.
1: Yeah, I think I envy you just a little.
2: (laughs) I read the reviews on Trekmovie.com and I just I I couldn't do it.
0: (laughs) You can watch them all in like twelve minutes, really. They
1: are I know, but that's twelve minutes that You know, you could go watch Lower Decks
5: (laughs) instead.
0: So who wants to make the case for Holograms All the Way Down?
5: Okay, Uh, I'm going to go with this here. I'm not saying it was like the best six minutes of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Because there have been cheeseburgers that better qualify for that spot. However, (laughs) by the standards of a six-minute cartoon, it, it had a solid joke which it executed well. It was reasonable within the context of the story and the, what we love about Star Trek. It was a, a great effort that I actually chuckled at a bit. And that's kind of more than I'm going to say for any of the others. But the downside is that the very short treks just make me miss short treks a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot. a lot.
3: Absolutely.
0: I mean I always thought it was kind of misnamed because it's this was really something different. It was not related to that. They weren't different enough from each other cuz the whole point of Short Treks is that, you know, it's an anthology show. But so getting back to shorts, so all my pick was the season, if you want to call it, Finale Walk Don't Run because i felt like it fulfilled the promise of what the show was supposed to do which was a celebration i mean you know the holograms all the way down aaron Watke, i know you're listening i love you it was great it was hilarious all the cameos it kept on getting better but i feel like walk don't run fulfilled the mission of celebrating the animated series star trek the animated series really well um, And then it got very meta, breaking the fourth wall, and it was all very 70s. You know, it had that music, the song in it, which was cheesy, but very 70s. George Decay shows up randomly. It was funny, which very few of them were. So that's my pick.
3: I agree with your pick. It's not mine, but uh, the, the thing that pushed holograms all the way down over it is that holograms all the way down had nothing in it that upset me, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But Walk, Don't Run had Scotty running around with his pants over his head and uh, other sorts of things, which just it took me out of it. I, I did love the crazy zaneness of Walk, Don't Run. I loved uh, the meta aspect of it. But uh, but there were just too many parts of it, a couple of parts of it, that, that took it out of contention for me. The other episodes had you know entire episodes that took it out for me. But uh, the mm-hmm. holograms all the way down, had nothing that upset me and, and lots that delighted me.
1: Yeah. I was mostly delighted by holograms all the way down. And
0: marie
4: uh, I mean, I feel like I can't even comment on the first three because they were such a weird disappointment of <laughs> like this, this thing was promoted so much. And then we saw the first one and then we were like, uh, well, we'll see what the second one brings. And then two and three were very similar, but I mean, four did fulfill the promise of being an amazing Aaron Wolke. Um, experiment and I just love Neelix more and more as the years go by yeah and same. it was, it was like as I get older I love him like even more and even more by the rewatch and it's just I felt like the end scene of that it le- left me feeling so good like oh Neelix is here I love that guy but if you go by like I don't I don't really understand what they wanted to get out of us to get out of it because like episode 5 did feel very TAS And very Adult Swim in a fun way, like Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, or Sea Lab 2021. So if I'm going by Star Trek episode four, but if I'm going by just like standalone, zany, crazy thing that's about TAS, then I would say five.
0: I think we've talked enough about this very short show.
1: I think we talked longer about it than any of the episodes ran. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, I forget who was says it was six minutes long. The, the Aaron Watke one is two minutes and twelve seconds, I think. You know, I mean, these things are really short, yeah. um, and that includes you know credits. Uh, so, um, an, our next category is still related to all the various shows, um, and that is best legacy character return, which could be a cameo or could be a whole season. Um, because uh, we did see that uh, with some of these characters.
1: I think we should make Joe go first because he didn't have one for the last one.
2: <laughs> okay. Sure. I can go first. So my favorite uh, return or legacy character was the Enterprise D in uh. Picard Season 3 uh-huh. because it kept expecting that maybe it would happen and then maybe it wouldn't happen and then finally at the very end of Episode 9, you see Picard look at the Enterprise D and then you see it's It was just an incredible moment. So, and also like even behind the scenes stuff of Dave Blass and and his team of just uh, the care and all the work that they put into that thing to make sure that it was the exact replica copy of the way it was uh, for the originals, for the, uh, for TNG. Um, It's just incredible, all the work that they did. So that's my pick for this category.
3: How could there be anyone in this world who doesn't love Dave Blass, who's a Star Trek fan, who doesn't love Dave Blass with a full heart? That man gave a gift to Star Trek fans uh, in a powerful way.
0: Absolutely. Yep. That is a great choice and a little, little, you know, uh, out of the box thinking because, but of course, all the enterprises and ships are characters.
4: Mm -hmm. So
2: makes sense. I'm a ship guy. What can I say?
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anne-Marie, how about you? It has to be Dr. Crusher because I mean, that's like the one action figure I had growing up. And I went to medical school and like became a doctor because I love Beverly so much. And she just did it all. She was amazing at her job, still had time for breakfast with Jean Luc, like the hot guy on the ship and was raising like this amazing son. She's and a great friend to Deanna. I love her so much. And then it. I guess, the and it was great to see that Picard her a mixtape, because that just, like, added a fun dimension to their relationship. Uh, um, but I do have to also say, like, it was wonderful to see Amanda Grayson back and have that Spock moment, and um, just, like, to show that Spock was acknowledging what a wonderful mother she was, after so many times we see him sort of, like, not acknowledge that and sort of treat her bad because she's not Vulcan, and that's the side he favors. I just... So that's my close second not to give to.
1: <laughs> I like the Amanda choice too, because so much of Star Trek, sorry, Star Trek, sees the fathers as very important and the mothers mm-hmm. as very not important. And you just picked two mothers. So mm-hmm. as a mom, thank you.
5: <laughs> Aaron? I'm going to go ahead with Jordi LaForge for many reasons. I mean, first of all, we all love Jordy but toward the end of TNG they they kind of did him dirty a little bit because you kind of remember him as being the guy who could not get a date or the guy who had a weird browser history on the holodeck and that's not you know now we have him a family man he that that's really his main thrust is like he's worried about his family and and what's going to happen to him when stuff hits the fan and that's that's a new side of Jordy we didn't get to see before and plus he is guarding this giant warehouse full of the Trek history. And like all the fans who are just sitting around for the, the dark period of Trek, we like, we're rewatching episodes. We're hunting down toys and collectibles. It's like, we're kind of having that same role. It's like, we're, we've got our own little storehouse in the middle of nowhere where we're, we're keeping our stuff for the future. So that was a great to see Joy to come back kind of like as us.
1: I love that. It's really well said.
0: And LeVar got to go into conflict with, Picard which is something we never saw on the show um, so he got to do some really good acting on it and he's got kids including his real kid yeah
1: yeah Tony who was yours
0: <laughs> I tried to go outside of Picard that on the show you know I thought about Robbie in Lower Decks I thought that was actually <laughs> quite fun and Takei in Very Short Treks but uh, for me it was Worf in Picard I just loved the way he arrived fighting the Ferengi and he's got his new sword but more than anything I feel like just the progression of the character made sense he looked great he was in this really interesting space but even more he had an arc for the season and he's the only character really had a relationship with a cast member from Picard, which was Rafi. And their relationship was fantastic. They were solving crimes, you know? They were out there as Holmes and Watson, essentially, but he was also her sensei. So it was just a really satisfying return in every way for me to see Worf kick ass, and, but some really good drama as well.
1: And he had some of the best lines, I think, in the whole season.
0: I agree. Yeah, Definitely. Humor too, some good. Yeah, yeah I mean, he really yeah. was funny. Him and Frakes were carrying a lot of the comedy for the season, and uh, they both did it really well.
1: Beheadings are on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> <So good>. Wednesdays. <laughs> Danish, how about you?
3: I also went back and forth on a couple of different characters. Uh, my. I was going between two Strange New Worlds characters. One was getting Scotty at the very end, um, but I I really want to wait till next season to see how that unfolds. I really felt that Strange New Worlds season two gave me back James D. Kirk, and I appreciated that. So uh, Kirk is my my, uh, vote for this category. Paul Wesley, uh, in season one, I thought did a a good job of establishing a character. I wasn't sure exactly that it was Kirk, um, but... By the end of Strange New World season two, I felt like I had I had at least uh, at least some of my James T. Kirk back, and and he's the guy I wanted to be when I was a kid. You know, uh, I grew up watching TOS, grew up reading the novels, and grew up wanting to be the strategic genius, the leader of people, the captain that James T. Kirk was, and I wound up being someone else. But uh, but I, I, he's always been a hero of mine, and. And getting to see at least an echo of that and and some new shades on that in season two uh, of Strange New Worlds was really uh, a gift, and I really appreciated that.
0: Interesting choice. It's also an interesting new perspective as well because he was playing a different – he was playing two different Kirks, and then he's playing this younger Lieutenant Kirk, which is a little different than Captain Kirk. Yeah. Which is also very challenging. I kind of look forward to seeing what happened in season three now.
3: And along the way, I've I've really listening. I'm a big fan of the All Access Star Trek podcast. I listen to it every time it's on, and it's the first thing I listen to as soon as it releases. But uh, so I, I've been following along with Lori and and just agreeing with Lori as she's been talking about how you know she doesn't want Strange New Worlds to keep going back to all the TOS characters. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. And yet. Getting Kirk back to me, it's still a thrill. I, I want to see Stranger Worlds doing strange new things. But the the fanboy part of me really enjoys having Kirk back again.
1: I'm glad he works for, he doesn't work for me at all for some reason. But I'm glad he does for, he does for you and for a lot of other people. Yeah. All right. Well, mine, I picked someone different. Although I almost now I want to go to Joe's because Joe's was really good. But um, I picked Ro Laren. Because she had such an unresolved story. We know the character was interesting enough that they wanted to put her on Deep Space Nine, and then Michelle and you know, I'm so happy we got Kira Nore, so that worked out great. But she's the character I always wanted to come back. And from the minute we heard that characters were coming back, she was the one I wanted to see the most. And I loved what they did with her and what they did between those scenes with her and Picard were so great. And I went back and watched the earlier episodes she was in, the next gen episode she was in, and it all fit together so perfectly. Like it all made total sense. So, and I, um, even though it, Terry likes to say everybody's still alive, like when you ask about any of the characters, he's like, "Oh, they could come back. They could come back." But I'm going to stick to she could come back because I just loved her.
0: Good choice. Okay, so now we're we're moving on to the extended universe of Star Trek, the greater universe of Star Trek. Um, So everyone's got to pick for best merchandise, which can be anything or book or comic or whatever. And since you're such a huge fan of all this stuff, Lori, why don't you kick us off?
1: (laughs) I was very torn. I had two top choices. Can I say what they both were? Am I allowed to cheat on this one?
0: Uh, Pick one and then tell us what the other one is.
1: Okay. Maybe my favorite thing, and Joe has the same thing I know, is the signed poster that Dave Blass was selling where he got, it's the Akudas, it's Liz, it's Dave, it's I think John Eves. And it's just this beautiful, gorgeous shot of the Enterprise D bridge that they all signed. And I bought it at, in Vegas. And it's just, I feel like there's nothing else I have that's unique like that. But then my second runner-up was Patrick Stewart's memoir.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anne-Marie?
4: Oh, it's so hard because I'm like a massive Star Trek shopper. And STLV had some really great merch this year. So I got a bunch of stuff from like uh, a a lot of the tables. But I think my favorite thing has to be – I'm not biased, but J.J. Lendl did these um, drawings for the Star Trek and Chill store on Shopify – and one of them is Neelix and Chill, which like cracks me up every time. And every time I wear it out, like some random person is like, "That's hilarious!" Like it really gets the Vo- it really gets the Voyager fans in the general like out in the wild to no- take notice. It's just I love that. But you know, everything my Uhura earrings from Springtime Creations at STLV are also like a, a close second.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge fan of his work. I'm glad he's getting covers. For the IDW comics now. He's and amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Who wants to go next?
2: Joe. Uh, my pick is the uh, video game and comic book tie-in of Star Trek Resurgence. Which was fantastic. If you don't know about it, you should go out, buy the comics, play the game. The thing about the game is that it's, it's very easy to play. So you don't have to be a gamer to, to, uh, to, to play the game. It's a really interesting story. It's very Star Trek. There are a lot of there are some legacy characters that are in it. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone, but uh, it was just it was <laughs> <laughs> Spock. Uh, it's a Empire. What, Spock is like um, on
0: all the promotional stuff. There's no secret that Spock is in it. I think he's on the cover you know so they uh yeah, he was in the
2: trailer i think too yeah but Riker yeah. was Riker was the one that was the uh spoiler um but yeah it has it has a great uh, uh comic prequel tie-in um that i really didn't even like it, it totally just went off my radar because there are so many comics uh that idw has put out some really some really great stuff uh this past year in, in 2023 but resurgence it totally flew off my radar i saw the game i got a copy of the game played the game and had to go back and read the prequel comic to figure out what was going on. It filled in a lot of uh, pieces for me. And it's just, it's, it's again, it's, it's very, very Star Trek. It just feels very Star Trek and I can't recommend it more.
0: Star Trek Resurgence was my thing as well. I feel like not enough people are aware of it. It's like a season of, of a next generation era. It's got new characters, classic characters. They do some really interesting stuff with the classic race but they introduce new alien races so it you know it's a narrative thing it is it it is it's when people hear video game they think oh it's shooting and stuff no this is a story it's an interactive story it is you are watching a season of star trek and every once in a while you have to you know scan an anomaly or whatever but there's a lot of watching and absorbing this fantastically written star trek story so that's my pick as well
3: I don't own any of the gaming consoles that uh, Resurgence is available for. But when I read Tony's review on TrekMovie.com, um, I went to YouTube to see the walkthrough. And I said so a seven- or eight-hour walkthrough on YouTube. And uh, I watched the whole thing. Uh, it was, like you said, Tony, like a season of Star Trek. And it was compelling to watch this video game uh, being played. The voice acting was great. The the moral decisions were compelling the characters were rich um a fantastic fantastic
2: game the other thing i was going to say about the game too that's that's fascinating is that every decision you make affects the story in some way and even just interactions with different people not (laughs) there there's even like missions and things where you have to like not annoy someone or if you do annoy someone it comes back in later and haunts you so it's just it's just really just even the way that the game was put together, there was an interview on uh, *Glorious Trexports* with, uh, I think, one of the writers or the developers of the game, and he talked about just how uh, how they actually wrote it and and put in all those different um, the decision branches. Yeah, really fascinating. Go go check that out too. That that interview.
0: Yeah, I did an interview with them as well. And they, you know, I mean, these guys really love Star Trek. The game doesn't have a score or, you know, like you used to in most games, but there's this page you could go to and you could see your relationship with everyone. And it's just crushing when you're disappointing Spock. So you never (laughs) want to be disappointing Spock. You always want to be disappointing Uhura, right? Right. Yeah. It's just, you always want to be on his good side. Anyway, Aaron.
5: The Lower Decks USS Cerritos Handbook which I think just came out two, three weeks ago. I love that thing. It is just like a little piece of the Trek world in my hands there. And I'm a sucker for, you know, Joe, you say you're a ship guy. I love the little documents on all the ships and all the crews and anything that looks vaguely Starfleet. I always like having it on my shelf. So that was my thing for this year.
3: A fantastic, well-produced book and funny on every single page. Just funny
0: on every single page. So Danish, was Resurgence your pick for the year or did you have a different pick?
3: I review books usually for TrekMovie.com. So I picked uh, the best novel of the year for me, and that was uh, Stranger Worlds, The High Country by John Jackson Miller. Uh, just a great book. Uh, John Jackson Miller is one of my favorite Trek authors right now. He's, he's consistently producing books. That have scenes in them that blow my mind. He thinks of things that I never would think of, and and realizes them in really compelling ways. And you know, just the fact that—and I don't want to spoil anything—but if you when you read the High Country, there's a scene where you encounter the Vulcan Navy, and it just blows your mind. Like, well, how could there be a Vulcan Navy, right? Uh, but here you, you encounter the Vulcan Navy. It, it just was fantastic, fun, compelling. A delight from beginning to end so stranger worlds of the high country by john jackson miller was my pick for for best merch of the year
0: i i mean there weren't a lot of books this year but that was a very strong book but it just feels like pike he really captures the characters well but then you kind of think about it later when you're watching the show and you feel like you have a more even though it's not technically canon you have a more rich understanding of these characters now good pick
1: all right should we move on to best star trek podcast yes and did we all vote for this one? Just kidding. Uh, I did. Just kidding. <laughs> I know a lot of people here have podcasts. so
0: <laughs> Everyone voted for their own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's... All
5: right. Why don't we start this one uh, with Aaron? I'm going to go ahead and nominate Trek Profiles because I think it does something that not many Trek pro- podcasts do, and that is it, it finds somebody on the internet who is just a really – great example of a Trek fan and lets them kind of go give the audience a little insight into their journey as a fan and what they do with their fandom. And it's just a a great slice of life that has nothing to do with the studios or the show or the merch. It's just people like us. And it's a great way of connecting with other fans.
0: Very cool. Is that a um, weekly, monthly? What is that?
5: It's the, if I look at the schedule release as kind of a, whenever they can get one out, which is a little bit more than once a month.
0: Anne-Marie?
4: This one's hard because I listen to, I'm pretty sure, every Star Trek podcast in existence. Like, my apartment's loud. I live on 8th Avenue in New York. So I keep the Star Trek podcast on at all times to just, like, gun up the toys. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, like, when you're streaming Star Trek, which is how I used to go to sleep, they always are like, are you still watching? And I hate waking up to not Star Trek. So, (laughs) anyway... (laughs) obviously I have to exempt everybody who's here because I love the trek movie podcast I love seventh rule which is how I got involved with them but um and I'm sure someone's gonna mention inglorious trek Birds, which is I just love them so much can't get enough but I'm gonna say greatest generation because they were my original and they were sort of like it, in my head they were my first Star Trek fan uh, Star Trek friends who I could like talk about Star Trek with and they really like, got me sort of, like, into the fandom and their coverage of TNG, which was watching from a viewpoint of, like, I think they're, like, maybe, like, six or 7 year old when it was coming out and just, like, how hilarious it is and, like, a product of the 80s in so many ways, but with love is just, it's really well done and you see as the show progresses how they really pick up, like, uh, friends, like um, fans who are also watching in that era who sort of like weren't into the fandom yet. And I think they've grown the fandom a lot with now like live shows in like 20 cities a year. And I just, they crack me up and now they go to conventions too. And it's sort of like this weird offshoot of fandom that's getting as, as those fans come more to more and more conventions, they also are like embracing the fandom proper so i just i love them plus they're great guys and they raise a lot of money for charity with and they they use their powers for good
0: i mean that's a great podcast you know it's probably one of the biggest and best star trek podcasts was there anything that they did in 2023 that you feel makes them great for 2023
4: yes so they did so they they do release their like a recording of when they go on tour they review a movie every year and they were then they release like the at least like one city's taping of that but what they did so they were reviewing um star trek five and what they did was everybody who went to the uh different tour sites could leave cards which were like an embarrassing moment as a fan uh, and then they like collected the best ones from every city and they would like read those off and you just like really connected to people it would be like awkwardly like showing Star Trek on a date, and then, like, a very weird episode comes out, like, walks (laughs) on a mud bath, (laughs) and then having to be, like, this isn't what it's usually like, even though I love that episode. It just, it was great, and because, like, there was a certain stigma growing up as a big Star Trek fan, and maybe that isn't there these days, and they just, they help you embrace the embarrassment and, like, use it in an empowering way, so, connecting the fans even more that way this year really it felt like was a special new development.
3: Danish. Uh, my pick other than the podcast represented here uh, is for the Delta Flyers. Garrett Wong and Robbie McNeil uh, have welcomed Terry Farrell and Armin Shimmerman on to start watching uh, Deep Space Nine, my favorite Star Trek show of all time. And uh, they're going through the wormhole and it's been really fun to listen to them. Uh, and their reactions to episodes that I love uh, at the, the corner of my heart, and um, so I, I've been really enjoying uh, listening to them go through it. And you know they have differing levels of knowledge of Star Trek, and uh, it's fun to hear Armin Armin Sherman knows a lot about Star Trek, um, and uh, but for for Robbie and Garrett, they've not seen Deep Space Nine before, and it's their first time in. And it's fun to sort of listen to their first blush reactions to a show that I've come to love deeply. So, yeah, I I love the Delta Flyers and what they're doing this season.
1: I'm so happy that you picked that one because now I can mention a different one because that was the one that is my favorite, especially because of what they're doing with Deep Space Nine now. They've taken it to a whole new level for all the reasons you said. I feel like whatever's coming because they don't always have both of them on Armin and Terry. So sometimes right. they have one, sometimes they have both. You get such different information and different perspective from each one. But, I'm on um, the edge
3: of my seat waiting till they get to duet. I just I want to hear them talk about duet.
1: Yeah, no. The, well, I want to hear them talk about the great ones, the bad. One. I mean, there's so much to cover. But so I'm gonna jump in and say because now I don't have to say that one because you said it for me. So thank you. I get to mention another one, which is, I've also talked about this on our podcast, Trek, Mary Kill, I think is so much fun. It is a p- pretty new, like maybe a year or two, and they basically have a series of categories they use to evaluate each episode, and then they decide whether they would Trek, Mary or Kill the episode. And they're very fun, best Trek trope, worst Trek trope um you know the line must be drawn here all kinds of different (laughs) fun moments to go through it's just a great innovative way to approach star trek episodes
2: is it down to me am i the last you and joe i'll be the one to nominate inglorious treksperts i Uh, I, I feel like
0: it's not a chore it's
2: (laughs) no no no, it's well just because i thought that somebody else would Hey, they are uh, 2021's uh, Trek movies best podcast. Uh, yes, that is true. Th- yeah. yeah, they did a uh, an interview with Lawrence Luckenbill. That was May, great. Which was great. Yes. So if you're going to listen to one episode, listen to that one. I'm a huge Star Trek Five fan, as are they, and uh, just hearing some some amazing stories, not only from the movie on the set, but just from his life in general. It's just really Really interesting guy. So that was my highlight from 2023.
1: That was maybe my favorite episode of the year from them. It was so good.
4: I just have to add to like, I usually will listen to them when I'm out doing errands walking on the street in Manhattan, and I'll like regularly catch myself laughing out loud, (laughs) (laughs) looking totally nuts because they're so hilarious and they do these hilarious, like, their, their top 10 countdowns. Like, that's how I know it's New Year's season. And they just they did this hilarious they did the top 10 villains and Gold Madrid was one of them, and they're talking about how like Gold Madrid must be like in his study and his daughter's not allowed in there. But sometimes she goes in, and they were like, It's like Mike Brady on the Brady Bunch. I am just <laughs> like they're like, Is that what was going on in Mike Brady's study? It's just like such hilarious random trains of thought that, like, you have to be a super nerd for like all TV, which probably a lot of people are, and it's just they're so quick, and the way they like. Um, their callbacks. I just love them so much.
1: They just had John Billingsley on this week, and they're doing yes. the top ten alien species. And John Billingsley is there the whole time, which is very funny <laughs> yeah. because he is like not the guy who knows a lot about. He's watched some of the original series, which he did remember. But that was very entertaining, start mm-hmm. to finish.
3: I could listen to Darren
0: Doctorman doing Gene Roddenberry all day yes. long. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so good totally. i you know i'm I'm a big fan of this pot that podcast i'm friends with those guys no one does it better really i mean mm-hmm. they, they you know it's it's not i didn't vote for it but they're kind of a perennial best podcast in a way you know for star trek because they get some so many great guests and stuff so what did you pick so this year i went with some no one's heard of this i don't think. <laughs> It's called uh, The Novelizers um, and oh, with, yeah. An- with Andy Richter. It's this celebrity podcast. And last year, they've already moved on to another thing. They're doing Independence Day. But last year, they did Star Trek II. They divided it into 20 episodes, which they would do two at a time. And they'd have different comedy writers and different celebrities. So a comedy writer would write a section of the movie. And then someone else would read it as if it were a book, but it's very funny, you know, and, and some, I mean, and they had some great celebrities, JK Simmons, Maurice LaMarche, Wayne Brady, John Hodgman, Patton Oswald, Dick Cavett. I mean, God's sakes, Dick Cavett, <laughs> um, Ira, Ira Glass. So every episode is a, so it's, it's constantly changing in, in tone and style as you go through a, essentially a novel of the movie. And it's, they're not all the best episodes because there's so many different writers and, you know, but some of them are just hilarious and it's just so weird and I'm just so glad it exists and it was hosted by Andy Richter, who I've been a big fan of. So, you know, that's my 2023 Star Trek podcast of the year.
1: Yeah, I listened to a couple of those. There were def- there was some that weren't great and then some that had me laughing out loud on your recommendation.
0: Check out the, it gets stronger as it goes on. Patton Oswalt is amazing, um, you know, as you, as you can imagine. But, you know, just hearing Dick Cavett do it is, I mean, it's so weird. It's it's I, great. I think I just need to listen to the Dick Cavett
1: <laughs> for sure. That sounds insane. All right. Our last category for 2023 is a bonus category where each person can just say, make up a category and then tell us what your thing is. So did you guys do that?
3: I
0: did right. it all right I, I did I did the homework, okay, you start okay, <laughs> so mine was a kind of a category we used to have, but then we cut uh but it's kind of Star Trek moment of the year in the world um, and I'm gonna pick Trek United, the coast to coast picketing event at Paramount in Hollywood and in New York. I went to the one in Hollywood Lori went to the one in New York, and just the way fans and celebrities came together in support of unions and workers' rights and all the support we saw online. It was a great day. It was a lot of fun, but it was also great to just see there's so much about that fight that was about themes of Star Trek, you know, from workers' rights to human rights to artificial intelligence. And it was great to see the fans support it. And it was fun, except that it was really hot. Was the only downside was that you know the next time they hold a strike, don't do it in the middle of the summer, you know. But uh, otherwise, great, nice
1: one. It was hot in New York too, yeah. as I recall. That was great. Um, Joe,
2: I did um my favorite line of a show, <laughs> and there's so many great lines uh, for all the 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 shows this year or last year. Some of which we've already mentioned. You could get off my bridge! You've killed us all. Was one of my favorite lines. Beheadings are on Wednesday, but I thought going back to Lower Decks, the thing that just made me laugh out loud was when Rutherford says, he looks like Tom Paris. And Boimler says, eh, let's see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't see it. I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> Excellent choice. Anne-Marie.
4: So I did iconic fandom moment of the year and just like how it will be viewed in history. And I chose uh, that shot of Save Star Trek Prodigy um, on the back of the airplane flying by Netflix. I just think that is such a definitive and like so reminiscent of like the B. Joe Trimble, like letter writing campaign. It was just so special and magical and such a everybody coming together to support something from the grassroots level.
1: And then Prodigy was saved.
4: Yes which was amazing to get it saved within the same calendar year, so just amazing on every level.
0: I was there. I had to wait for the plane with Aaron Watke, and oh it went, and it was it took way too long. we were tracking oh. it on flight tracker yes, it, it,
2: was it, on it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it was it was a wonderful moment, but there was a lot of uh waiting. The long <laughs> moment is what you're saying. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the hours before that, not so great. That moment, great.
1: <laughs> okay. How about you, Danish? I chose
3: uh, the best non licensed Star Trek production. And uh, for me, it had to be Come! the musical, uh, <laughs> which was just a hoot from beginning to end. I took my daughter. And we got to see Khan the musical. It was high camp. It was funny. It was touching. Uh, the music was incredible. The the dialogue was spectacular. The performances were great. It is so funny. And I just, I keep wishing and wishing and wishing that it'll get a revival. Maybe it's the kind of show that, you know, if if high schools wanted to put this on, you could put it on around the country uh, it would be just a an amazing production to see uh, spot, uh, pop up in various different parts of the country. Uh, I thought it was well written, well acted, and a tremendous, tremendously
0: fun time. That was off Broadway, right it, over the summer, I think.
3: Yeah, it was. It was down in um, Greenwich Village, and it was uh, you know tiny little hole in the wall theater. But uh, what a great time uh, at the at the theater. You could totally do this on Star Trek the Cruise. You could totally do this in in various different uh conventions. It is not a tough production to put on in terms of the mechanics of it, but yeah, it's just, it's really good.
1: We've got some great variety going. Aaron, how about you?
5: I'm going to go ahead with what I call the best delayed payoff of the fandom. It's when you you feel like the story kind of corrected something that should have been corrected a long time ago. And all three of the major shows this year did that to some degree. But the moment when Seven of Nine becomes the captain of the Enterprise, because this is a character who, I mean, we had... Was not treated super well throughout Voyager with the cat suit and the the various, you know, we don't have to get into that. And then, you know, she finally (laughs) comes back and she well deserves a Starfleet commission, but doesn't get one. And there's not really a satisfactory explanation as to why, other than we just don't want to. And then not only does she have a commission, she gets to be arguably the most important person in the Star Trek universe, the captain of the Enterprise. That is a moment. I mean, it's it makes everything worth it after about 20-ish, 30 years, whatever. I don't
1: know. Nice. That's a great one. Yeah. All right. I went uh, in a totally different direction than all of you because it seems I'm a lot more shallow than the rest of you. But I did my personal Star Trek achievement. <laughs> and my <laughs> personal Star Trek achievement is that my 16-year-old daughter now, A, knows who John Billingsley is and doesn't just call him that Star Trek actor you talk to and can sing along with the Uhura song from Subspace Rhapsody.
3: Parenting win.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I was like my own personal, I had lots of great personal Star Trek achievements, but I feel like, you know, I'm slowly seeping my way into my daughter.
4: (laughs) I love that.
0: If we don't make more Trekkies, you know, we're going to run out of Trekkies.
1: Yeah, I think that might be asking too much because she still says, <laughs> I hate Star Trek. But <laughs> but she now has a friend who loves Star Trek and thinks I'm a celebrity. So that counts for something.
0: Joe, you have a newborn. How are you indoctrinating her into Star Trek? It's funny you
2: mentioned that because um, I was just going to say that my three-year-old has recently found my Star Trek The Motion Picture Mr. Spock plush doll <laughs> from 1979, <laughs> I guess. Um <laughs> And she knows who he is. Hey, Mister Spot! Like she, she sleeps with him, and it's the cutest thing ever. So, um, I love it. And we also been reading, um, you know, some of those Star Trek board books. And yeah, I'm I'm trying my best. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Gotta
1: try. The other thing my daughter did was she negotiated. She bought me a Star Trek calendar, like an original series calendar, like I used to have every year when I was a kid, and then pre-negotiated with my husband and son so that it could go up in the kitchen as part uh, so my Christmas cute. present.
3: I lost the fight to have my Ships of the Line calendar in the kitchen. It's down here in my art studio, uh, but the, tonight my my college age kids and I were talking around the the. Dining room table. We're talking about if you could only quote from one franchise from the rest of your life, which franchise would you quote? <laughs> and that is my daughter's uh, topic, and and we all agreed it had to be Star Trek. And uh, it's fun to have two college age kids who are Trekkies and and spreading the good news of of the final frontier uh, on their campuses.
1: I love it.
0: So. Speaking of the future, we're now in the future. It's twenty twenty four. Smooth. Aren't the Bell Riots supposed to happen this year? Um, yes,
1: like any minute now.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but there there is some real Star Trek stuff happening. There's an article on the site about you know everything that we could look forward to in twenty twenty four. But let's go around the horn and maybe everyone pick one or two things that they're most looking forward to or predicting or hoping for for 2024
1: i will start because the thing i'm most hoping for and most excited about is prodigy season two i love that show so much it's been such a joy to watch i just binged the whole first season when it came on netflix although i have the dvds but i was like no i gotta do that too and now i'm just dying to see season two and we know what's coming
3: How exciting is it to see how big Prodigy is hitting it on Netflix uh, all around the world? Isn't that a great thing?
0: Yep. It's where it should have always been. And by the way, I think the Academy show shouldn't be on Paramount Plus either. I think that should be on Netflix or Pluto or something else. Something with a wider audience to bring in new, younger fans. I mean, if that's what they're going for, so.
1: Yeah. All right. uh, Joey, you want to go next?
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll get a new show announcement. I'm hoping that that would happen. And what shot On
1: what you want that show <laughs> to be? Legacy. <laughs> Legacy. Yeah.
2: The other thing that I'm looking. for, I mean, I, again, these are these are things that haven't been confirmed, obviously. Um, but uh, the other thing is this con audio drama. If that ever happens, if that ever sees the light of day, mm-hmm. interested to see what that what that does.
1: Tony, do you think that's likely? Because I'm starting to think it might actually happen.
0: Well, I mean, you know, this thing has been (laughs) gestating for so many years. You know, it was gestating as a miniseries and then now it's gestating as a uh, podcast. But I don't know. You know, once they decide to do it, it shouldn't take too long to turn around because it's I don't want to say just audio, but it's just audio, you know, so there's no visual effects. They record it. They add a few sound effects, some music, bang, you're done. And I'm very much looking forward to it. The challenge, of course, being how do you tell a story where all the characters are genetic supermen and evil theoretically? So are there any good guys? You know, is there Starfleet? You know, but I'm sure Nick Meyer knows that better than all of us. So I'm not going to second guess him before we watch it.
2: Well, supposedly some of the tricks, the Trek experts have uh, read a script or they know something about it and it, they think it sounds amazing. So, yeah.
0: Oh,
3: for what it's worth. I'll listen.
0: All right, Tony, what's yours? Well, I mean, you know, there is a lot of good, you know, there's in theory we could get, believe it or not, we could get something like f- over 40 episodes of Star Trek this year because you got your, you know, you got your prodigy season two. You got your discovery, um, you know, and. Uh, lower decks all those seem certain and prodigy's 20 episodes they could put them all this year mm-hmm. and then maybe you get a little little strange new worlds I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of star trek most of it would be crammed into the second half of the year I'm looking forward to all of that but I'm just you know the thing I'm just so tired of waiting for Paramount pictures to make a decision on what to do next with the franchise the film franchise the 60th anniversary is coming up I think this year they have to make a big decision um on what to do either they move forward with the JJ Abrams project they move forward with one of the other projects bouncing around but i feel like this year we're going to we're going to know something it won't just be an actor saying oh this is what i heard like i feel like something's going to happen this year we're not going to see a movie obviously that if they start from scratch it could take 2 years or more but uh, if they want to go into pre-production they could get something out by next year with the star trek 4 project
1: so for you, it's the official word and like, this is it. This is what we're making. It's real.
0: Right. Like they would make an announcement. They'd probably put out like a logo or something, like a real Paramount announcement. Say we're doing this for sure, which would be a big deal. That's what I'm wishing for and hoping for, for 2024. And of course, the Moopsy plush coming from Master Replicas. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we're all <laughs> waiting for that. Um. Aaron, you want to go next?
5: I'm going to say the con audio drama has my attention mostly because it'll be something very, very different. And I would love to see how they approach the topic of do we consider this canon? And if so, how do we reincorporate this into the other shows once we're done with it? These these questions all fascinate me because, um, like we were just saying, it's just audio. So a lot of the roadblocks to making it really aren't there once they decide to do it. In terms of what I'm just hoping for and getting my hopes up for, I really want some new cosplay options this upcoming year. I want to see a lot of the stuff that hasn't been easy to get your hands on suddenly become available officially, because I always like having my cosplay official, if at all possible. So hopefully somebody gets a good license and can crank out something that looks awesome.
0: So you're talking about not the kind of stuff that Ruby's does you want the kind of stuff that a novos used to do but they went out of business the high yes, and- end five hundred dollar jacket kind of stuff yes
5: and, yeah. and there are some people out there who you, you can get reasonably good stuff very very good stuff but i would really like it to have somebody from the show say yep that's that'll do
2: mm-hmm.
0: that would be great if someone got that license hopefully that happens
4: all right Marie. Okay, so Prodigy season two because I just love the EMH so much, and I can't wait to have him back. Um, and kind of going along with Prodigy uh, and merch, some actual like Prodigy merch that is good for like younger kids because I feel like so I have a nephew who's three and a niece who's one, and I want to indoctrinate them. And I got them both a Murph plushie when they were available at New York Comic Con, but um, like I just I need them to have more merch so that they're getting into a big kids show a little bit early and I can like get them to come to conventions with me in the future. And then along the convention lines, I'm very excited for uh, Star Trek, San Francisco just to have like uh, maybe like some more regional conventions in the future. So I think STLV is my favorite week of the year. So
0: you're, so you're going from New York to San Francisco just for that.
4: Totally. Well, first of all, flights are so cheap. I looked them up and they range from $44 to $109 each way. So like in what? some respects, it's actually more expensive to take a cab to the airport. Yeah, um, it is more expensive. Um, so forty four was like I want to say like Frontier Alaska, and then send, and that's nonstop, and then it's fluctuating between that and up to like one hundred and nine. So I think I'm going to pull the trigger. But I got the hotel reservations, which you know aren't that bad compared to Mission Chicago, where I felt like that was like an executive stay hotel where the price reflected that. So like this, I think I got each night for one hundred and fifty. So it's become it's turning out to be a really reasonable um, week. Just kind of an annoyingly long flight, but worth it because you get to see all all your uh, fan friends, and I just love the vibe.
0: Well, I'll I'll be there. I'm going to be doing some moderating. I think so. They've oh. invi- invited me to go. I mean, what I'm excited about is back in the day, Creation used to do all of these regional events. Yes, and now they've kind of redubbed it the star trek tour or the trek tour because they can't use the name star trek um so now they have two stops san francisco and vegas vegas being the biggest one but if san francisco works out the next one will probably be in new jersey which you could drive to together yeah so
4: (laughs) we could go together i just like love the way creation runs them too i feel like it's a good vibe they usually do talk to the bars before like mission chicago one of the issues was like one of the days the restaurant was actually closed the whole day and then the other days like the bar would close at 9 or 10 so i feel like creation and it's not that i'm like a heavy drinker or something it's just you want to be able to, you see all your friends a couple times a year and you want to like stay up and talk about star trek with them and there needs to be a place for that so i feel like creation does a good job of like alerting places that there's actually a star trek convention coming in and we like to just stay where we're at and and visit
0: (laughs) excellent
1: all right danish
3: i'm gonna go very mainstream and say what i'm looking forward to is strange new world season three um strange new worlds is for me my favorite current star Trek show in production and i really enjoy what they're doing um not without reservations but uh it's consistently making me happy and so i'm looking forward to strange new world season three i love anson mount as pike i love all the cast they're fantastic and I'm also – even though Discovery is not my favorite Star Trek show, uh, probably my least favorite Star Trek show in production today uh, until Very Short Treks came out. But um, <laughs> I, I, I am looking forward to seeing how they wrap it up. And, and the idea of a of a sort of a Indiana Jones-style adventure, uh, you know, it's a show that has gone through tonal shifts each season. Um, this is a tonal shift I think I might appreciate – and I want to see them wrap it up in a really satisfying way. As much as I don't love everything they've done with Discovery, um, I, I do love the characters. And I want to see Saru, and I want to see uh, Michael Burnham, and I want to see uh, Stamets and Colbert get a, a satisfying conclusion to, the, to their tale. I want to laugh along with Jet Reno. I want, to, I, I, I want those characters in my life. And I'm looking forward to season five of Discovery for that reason.
1: And finding out what's up with Tilly. It's big on my list,
0: yeah. too. Yeah.
4: yeah. And if Academy will be a spinoff of that, like, we still don't know. Well, we
0: know <laughs> that it, Academy is, is set in that time period. They just haven't said it, but we know. We don't know if or how she would be involved or who else, you know, if, if Professor Stamets will show up and Professor Saru will show up every once in a while. But, um, yeah, it will be yeah. part of that. If Professor
3: Reno is on, I'm I'm in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, I, I you know, it's, Str- Strange New Worlds just started shooting in December. It's it's in our 2024 question mark column um, for that article, along with the Section 31 movie. Where in theory, you know, you're not going to get all of season three of Section uh, of season, uh, of uh, Strange New Worlds in 2024, but maybe they get some of it by the end of the year. You know, it's possible. Especially because Paramount Plus will probably want Star Trek content in the latter half of the year. Although we will probably get lower decks too. Almost certainly, we'll get lower decks. One more thing, and I, I know
3: it's a 2023 release, but I haven't read it yet. I do want to read the autobiography of Benjamin Cisco, uh, which has just came out, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, but uh, I've been looking forward to that with eager anticipation. The, the, all the autobiographies have been spectacular, and uh, Ben Cisco is is now my favorite star Trek captain. So I can't wait to read this autobiography and um, yeah, very much looking forward to that.
1: It's funny. I was going to ask you if you'd read it yet when you were talking about books before, cause I was, I've heard so much good buzz about it.
0: Hopefully you'll have a review of that soon. I, I enjoyed listening to the Kate Mulgrew doing her, reading her autobiography, obviously that wasn't going to happen with the Cisco one, although that would have been awesome if it could have happened. That's been a great series. All of them have been great. Yeah. The Spock was- one was interesting because Stranger Worlds, like it kind of skirted around how Stranger Worlds and how there's kind of new canon there. But yeah, they've all been really interesting, starting with the Kirk one.
1: I don't read a lot of the books, but I read the Janeway one and the Spock one and like them both very much.
0: I
3: listened to Kate Mulgrew reading uh, her, her autobiography "The born with teeth uh, based on Laurie's recommendation. And uh, listening to Kate Mulgrew read anything is probably the best time you'll spend all day.
0: Maybe she should read the uh, Cisco one.
4: <laughs> well, I just really wanted it to be Jake Cisco reading it. Oh, you know, oh,
0: yeah. that's, that's an interesting angle. Cause it, they could probably adjust it from yeah. They could make some adjustments to make that work really well.
1: He he found it and he's reading it, which would be an interesting take, right? know C- Lofton C- oh.
0: or Tony Todd, <laughs> which Jake says?
1: No, Sirak. Sirach.
0: It'd have to be Sirak. Although Tony yeah. Todd, that's a good call on Tony Todd. But uh, um, I would suggest feel- that to the Titan people, you know, because they probably haven't even thought of that.
1: It's a great um, idea.
0: I think that's it. Does anybody have any random thoughts on 2023 or 2024 that we haven't talked about? I think we've covered a
5: lot. It was a darn good year for Trek. It was. It was a
3: good. It was a good Trek year. Do you feel, Anthony? Do you feel that we are coming to? We sort of are in a silver age of Star Trek, right? I mean, uh, Star Trek is uh, the golden age, maybe. Uh, I don't know.
0: When, when's the, the golden age of Star
3: Trek? Yeah, I, I, I would have, say. Would well, I mean,
0: the, well, the, I mean, there's, two, I think there's two. I think there's two golden ages of Star Trek. I mean, there's the '80s movie era, which I think is peak. You know, TOS. I mean, and you know, the '60s, and then the '90s. You know, so those are kind of the three peaks.
3: Do you feel like we're coming to the end of this uh, Star Trek boom, or is there a Star Trek boom that's going to keep going?
0: I think we're never going to get back to five series in at the same time because that was a combination of the pandemic and and the streaming wars and and everything kind of coming together all in the same year but i i'm hoping that as as we get a a bit less television production that we get back into movies on a regular basis big movies small movies animated movies start treating star trek like you know, the Transformers and 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 Mission Impossible and the Marvel movies doesn't mean they don't need to make a billion dollars, but it, it is a franchise that I think can sustain a lot with feature films if handled correctly. So part of me, I just am optimistic. I feel like that's coming. But I think that there will be less Star Trek TV. But I think we're going to see a series of TV movies. The Section 31 is just the beginning, I think. And Legacy could be the next one if they could align those planets as it were. That'd be great. That would be great.
5: I think we spent the last few years kind of figuring out what works and what doesn't in the 21st century and the years from here on out, they're going to be a little more streamlined as to what they want to do and why we won't see the quantity, but we're going to see some pretty awesome stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean the quality in 2023, I mean Picard and Lower Decks, there's no bad episodes in either of those um and almost every episode of strange new worlds i had it this we may not agree on the clunkers but i think everyone agrees there was a clunker in there for them you know but it's still a very strong show and they're trying stuff so yeah i think the overall quality is getting better for the i guess kurtzman era And, you know, there were certainly clunkers in the 90s. You know, we all know it. So that's nothing new. I love
1: a lot of those clunkers. One other (laughs) thing for 2023 that I think is worth mentioning is some really surprising actors turning up. Like Amanda Plummer and Carol Kane turning up on Star Trek. I don't think anyone could have predicted that we would see those two women as ongoing characters on a series. I mean, temporary one of them, but still like what a crazy bit of casting that was.
0: Yeah. The Carol Kane character was great. And my only concern about Scotty coming on, even though I like the actor is I don't want to lose Pelia because we barely know her. Yeah. And so hopefully I don't know what they're going to do with that. But anyway, you were saying.
3: I think that's one of the things that Star Trek has going for it is it's placed in the culture, you know, uh, Star Wars may have a broader fan base. Uh, the Marvel may have a broader fan base, but but people want to be on Star Trek because they want to Star Trek is something that's worth plugging into. And I think um, you, you hear uh, all the time from actors, was it this year we heard from Nicholas Cage saying he wants to be in Star Trek? Um, and others, they want to be on Star Trek because Star Trek matters. And Star Trek matters in a way that um, you know, a lot of other franchises, as fun as they are and awesome as they are, and sometimes higher quality as they are. Uh, but Star Trek matters in a way that, that others uh, often don't. And being part of Star Trek means being part of something that's going to last, hopefully, you know, for a very long time to come. That your your kids will be proud to see that you are in Star Trek, and it's advancing ideals that you care about, and it's telling stories that really matter. And uh, so I I think. You get you're getting the Amanda Plumbers and the and the um, Carol Canes and the others. Um, you know, even if they're not super familiar with Star Trek, they know what Star Trek does in our in our culture, and it's worth being part of. And uh, so, I, I, I'm excited about about those as well.
4: Oh, just to piggyback on that, I was thinking about this the other day as Prodigy dropped on Christmas, and I was like, we're getting so many new Trekkies today uh that are like decades younger than the majority of the fandom at least and i was thinking about how like my great aunt just passed away she was 100 101 and i was like and every generation watched it and like so that's like two generations below her and that these little trekkies they might be showing it to two generations beyond them so like we might already be setting up the fandom for like 100 years Uh, To come, and it's just like only with Star Trek can you think about it in terms of that. It's so multi generational and special. It's very exciting.
1: I think that's a great note to wrap up on. I think that's kind of perfect. Yeah. I want to thank all of you guys for joining us on this podcast. I'm so glad that that Amory and Aaron and Joe and Danish could all be with us tonight. Thank you.
0: Dream come true. Thanks for having us. Yes. Well, you're all welcome back um i'm sure they'll you know uh, before we do another year end
2: wrap up as well <laughs> i'll come back when i watch the very short trucks.
1: right we'll have a special <laughs> episode just about that for you too <laughs> <laughs> all right folks
0: say goodbye everyone have a good night bye, you. Bye, bye everyone, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.